Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, and welcome to the School for Dysfunctional Pets. I'm your host, Budgie that screams when you're on the phone, Hannah Varrell. Joining me is my goal weight is to fit through a cat flap, Alexandra Haddo. My long-term goal is to shit at a tray full of sand, again. And once drove a duckling to suicide, Caroline O'Donoghue. No one should leave a nine-year-old in charge of a duck, Hannah, and I think my parents learned that that day. Today we're talking light bulbs, bananas, and the number 13. All mysterious, all full of hidden meaning, and all probably haunted by the ghosts of friends we were too tired to text back. Let's get started. What happened with the duckling? Well, here's the here's the deal, Hannah. Um, my brother found some like abandoned ducklings like, around the main road. So it was like a, a field near a main road, and he and rather than like look for their mother, he thought like, "Ooh, free ducklings!" And he brought them home. And he was like eleven, and I was like nine, and uh, we just like kept them for a couple of days and like fed them through like syringes. And uh, then I was playing with one, and it climbed up on top of the radiator, jumped down, and just killed itself. I genuinely thought that was just for the comic value of the joke, but you actually no, it, killed one. No, yeah, I drove a duckling to suicide. Yeah. Wow. I'm now a responsible pet owner, but then, <laughs> different story, mate. How is the buffalo? <laughs> she, she's good. She's good, yeah. So, Hannah, what have you got for us this week? Well, Alex, uh, I'm very pleased to begin this week's episode with a subject which is very controversial, uh, and that is bananas. Oh. Are yeah. they controversial? In the current climate, everything is controversial, Caroline. But bananas in particular. Yeah. Uh, there's so many people that hate bananas. Do you know what I hate? I hate sweets flavoured like bananas. They're yes. disgusting. The, it's not even the taste, it's the texture, that kind of foamy fake banana. Yeah. I love it. The hate one that it. like 10 Hate it. Hate. Love it. Yeah. Nah, fine. I'm a chef though. Divided. So. You are a massive chef. So it's fine. Yeah. Um, so I kind of started off by thinking, like, why are they so cheap? Because if you go into Sainsbury's, a banana can cost like 10p. Uh, but if you get like a really nice apple, that's like 50p. Oh. And they last longer. And, and they're bananas... not as bruisable. So how does that make sense? Aren't bananas endangered as well? Uh, well, I'm going to come to that. Oh, Alex. sorry. And there's been a lot of EU debate about straight and bendy bananas. Yeah, it was a, they were a big part of Brexit, weren't they, bananas? Yeah, yeah. they had a big role. It was, it was a very symbolic role, yeah. I imagine the banana community high-fived Farage after. <laughs> Just sat back with a pipe. Or were they on the side of the Remainers? Yeah, I don't know. What were they? Because it was all about like how straight are bananas, wasn't it? I know. Yeah, who wanted the straight bananas and who didn't? I can't actually remember the specifics of the straight banana debate. Was it that the EU regulations were so complex that they didn't allow for straight bananas? I think so, yeah. And no, they had to be quite straight, I think. We wanted them straight, so if they, were, it, it too bend, if they were too bendy, then we wouldn't let them in. All right. I mean, sexuality is a social construct, so... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Let's just all get I, over it. All I will say is that when I do eat a banana, I get itchy ears. 
It's weird. That's weird. Yes. So I wanted to know uh, why they're so cheap um, because they come from really far away and um, they're usually pretty nice looking. They're very nutritious. They taste pretty nice. They're good looking fruit. Mm. You know, like yeah. how can they cost 10p? That's ridiculous. Nothing, not even Freddo costs 10p anymore. <gasps> that was another hot topic recently. <laughs> Is it because they make their own packaging? So they're kind of like, they do, they're like one of those agencies that does everything. Do you know what I mean? It's not, Caroline. Oh. It's because they were part of a supermarket price war. <gasps> Yay! Oh, I'm already into this. Do go on. <laughs> so you know how supermarkets sometimes they'll have really cheap bread because they know that you're going to want bread and that maybe if you know there's cheap bread at a supermarket, you'll go in there for the bread and then buy other stuff along the way. Mm-hmm. And then whatever they lose on the bread, they'll make up for it by you buying other stuff. Right. Yeah, um, I used to work in retail and we used to do that all the time in HMV where we'd put like the 40-year-old virgin for pound ninety nine near the till and people would be like, 40-year-old virgin, only £2? I'm going to go in and buy 40-year-old virgin for £2. Yeah. And then they'd buy like Kings of Leon while they were in there. The band yeah. or the CD. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly that, yeah. Um, and so this kind of all came to a head basically in 2009 when Asda uh, slashed the cost of bananas to 46p per kilo so in Christmas 2008, bananas cost 99p per kilo. By August, they cost 84p per kilo, so going down in price. I remember that Christmas, it was a hardy. And then in October Broke. 2009, Asda slashed the price to 46p per kilo. Whoa. Which is like half price, which is ridiculous. Such good Val. Yeah, but then all the other supermarkets had to slash the price of their bananas as well in order to like compete with right. Asda. Because if they're like, oh, Sainsbury's has really expensive bananas, you're like, oh, I quite fancy some bananas, though, so let's not go to Sainsbury's. They're let's so cheap that people, there's just like one use now, aren't they, bananas? Yeah. Just use them once and throw them away. It's so <laughs> fucking cheap. <laughs> yeah. In the old days, we used to reuse the skin at least seven <laughs> times when it was at 99 I walked to school for 10 years <laughs> in banana skins. <laughs> I did see that Gemma Collins actually has uh, just put up on YouTube like a banana face mask tutorial and she's like I'll just swipe a banana skin on your face oh no leave it overnight no, Fuck you, no. don't do that don't do that but basically if banana price inflation had kept up with the pace of other inflation for example Mars bars um, then it would cost £2.60 a kilo now and it's only 46p per kilo my goodness wow so that's pretty that's uh, pretty big so Jamie Oliver's right you can eat healthily for less oh fuck him He's right about everything, isn't he? Why do they have to be so correct? Oh, Guys, he's not. He's Jamie Oliver, the new Gwyneth of the podcast. Oh my God, he is. Oh my God, he's yes, He's come up he in is. two episodes now. Because it's that whole thing of like, oh, you know, you can eat like for under a pound, just buy some red kidney beans. It's like, yeah, Jamie, but I'm not just going to eat some red kidney beans, am <laughs> yeah, I? Yeah, exactly. Um, I have a question about bananas. Oh, go it's on. It's very important to my lifestyle. Um, so I uh, bake a lot of banana bread. Okay. Because uh, it's, it's very easy and it makes the house smell very good. Um, and in order to make good banana bread, you need to get quite ripe banana. So basically like black. Yes. Um, but I live on a high street where there's an Iceland and Asda and a Tesco's. All three, the bananas are always mostly green. Yeah. They send underripe bananas everywhere. Really? That's really it's annoying. It's travesty. It's very annoying. So if I want to make banana bread on Thursday, I have to buy my bananas on like Sunday. Oh, you have to ripen oh. your own bananas. Yeah. I know. But that makes sense because then you can choose how ripe your banana is because most people, including myself, like to eat them when they're a bit green. Oh, really? No, yeah. you don't. Yeah. You monster. Ah, oh, come on. It's like eating no, a bar of soap. they're too firm. 
They're no, way no, too far exactly you want them. No, you want them a little bit in the mush side, don't you? No, absolutely not. Yeah. I have to say that I am the centrist here. I don't want it mushy, but I also don't want it like a bar of soap. I just want it to taste like a fucking banana because I'm a normal person. So the downside, obviously, of this supermarket price war, uh, supermarkets say that they still pay the growers fairly and they pay everyone who's involved with getting the bananas to the shops fairly. Um, Mm, But in reality, it kind of drives down the living wages of the people all along the chain and, you know, people that grow the bananas in like Costa Rica or wherever. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not great, and bananas probably should cost more. And also, you definitely need to buy fair trade bananas because they're the ones that are like properly guaranteeing that they're paying everyone fairly. So if you get a banana that's not fair trade, then I don't know, but it's probably not as good. Is fair trade though one of those labels a bit like organic, where you can just slap it on to make it seem a bit nice? No, or, it's or a real is it, thing. It's a legal term, isn't it's it? It's a real thing. Yeah. It's a legal term. You can't say it's fair trade if it's not. Okay. I've got a banana related fact. Go on. Peter Andre once had to cancel a concert because he'd eaten too many bananas and he got potassium poisoning. Oh, Peter. How many bananas did he eat? I don't know, but I think it must have been a lot. I think it may be a self-sabotage. Maybe he had stage fright or something. I mean, I think I looked this up and it said... Let me let me find it. Hang on. Okay, so to reach fatal levels of potassium poisoning, you would need to eat nearly 500 bananas. So I don't know if Peter Andre was well. I was, he, he was telling the truth. He's not dead, as far as we know. Though something could have changed since we came into this podcast. Really. That's true. But um, who would want to eat more than like three bananas a day? I don't know. I just, I feel like Peter Andre specifically. He's like the magic porridge pot. Like <laughs> just if he's doing an activity, he'll just keep on doing it until someone intervenes. He's like you know a, a horse won't stop running in the, until you pull its head up. That's why you have to pull its head up. Yeah. That's like Peter Andre. You have to be like stop Peter. Yeah. Otherwise you'll just any keep doing activity. It. If you yeah. say like um fold the laundry, we yeah. finish the laundry he'll just start folding everything in the house yes <laughs> like all your like coats and jackets toilet paper everything's oh, folded unstoppable yeah. yeah poor peter so how do bananas get from uh, the tropics where they are grown to uh, somewhere like old england i imagine they get put into a sealed box yeah and put on a ship and then yes. maybe there's like a scamp who's scallied away and on the ship a stowaway yeah what did I say a I, scamp <laughs> I said a scallyway yeah um, <laughs> uh, yeah so they're shipped over with the stowaways but how come when they reach the shop they're still so perfectly like yellowy green it's Ooh. because I'm just going to go and tell you they pick the bananas when they're completely green and then they put them basically in a fridge when they're transported over. So they're kept at 13 degrees, which means they won't ripen, but they also won't just like mold and die. Um, and then when they arrive at the destination country, they go into a ripening room um, and they Ooh. fill the room with ethylene gas, which is basically a banana like plant hormone, which uh, makes it start to ripen and then they start to go yellow and then they'll give them to the supermarket so wow. you can buy them. There's something quite weird about that, isn't there? I'm quite like uncomfortable. It's a bit yeah. Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, isn't it? Yeah. The banana room. Like yeah. yellow <laughs> gas everywhere. Yeah, that's like how a child learns its lesson. Like, oh, don't go near the bananas until yeah. they're ready. Fuck you, Willy Wonka, I will. And then the kid touches the banana and he becomes the yellow banana. Yeah. And yeah. there's a song about it. And it impacts other fruit as well. Because, you know, there's that thing where, like, if you've got uh, an avocado or something, because we're millennials, yeah. I'll take that as an example. Sure. Um, and you put it. You can put it in a paper bag with a banana, and because the banana will be releasing this ethylene, um, it will help to ripen the avocado. What? And also, they sync up. 
like women on their periods. I was about to say that as well. Yeah. (laughs) That's what it sounds like. So if you've got one banana that's like kind of brown and spotty and some others that are like, you know, yellowy green, the brown spotty one will make the yellow ones go brown faster. Oh my God. Like in school, (gasps) if one girl gets pregnant in a gang, they're suddenly all pregnant. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, Something you mentioned earlier, Alex, the bananas that we get like in shops and stuff, they all look the same, don't they? Mm. They all Mm -hmm. taste the same. Uh, and that's because they're all the same banana. It's a uh, what? It's a clone hologram. banana. Bananas are clones. Well, it's not clones technically. Oh God, they're going to rise up and take us. But they're all from. They're all just like plugs from the same plant. It's just kind of the same plant, and they've taken a bit from it and grown another plant, oh. and again and again and again. And the bananas that we have in supermarkets called the Cavendish banana. Um, and because they're all basically the same banana, they're really shit at resisting diseases and so there's this disease that apparently quite soon is probably going to wipe out this type of banana oh that's why yeah Yeah, that's why they're endangered because basically if it kills one it kills them all yeah because they can't develop a resistance to the disease this is a tom cruise film it is the year is 2048 (laughs) the banana clones have risen up only tom cruise can save them Well, they've risen up, but he's saving them. He's on their side. He really likes the taste. <laughs> I've fucked it they've up. taken over humanity and Tom Cruise is on their side. <laughs> Tom Cruise is secretly a banana on well, the like inside. A, like a plant of the bananas where they find out at the end that it was Earth all along. Yeah, <laughs> it's basically like War of the Worlds. Statue World. of Liberty is just a banana yeah. holding another banana. <laughs> but yeah, so they're looking for a replacement for the Cavendish banana. Um, and there's a couple, but they taste a bit different or they have a different texture or whatever. But this happened before. So um, in like the 1960s, I think, uh, the type of banana that everyone ate, like the Cavendish of the day, was called the Gros Michel. Oh. It's a French banana. Can we bring Michel. back that banana? Did it die in the it 27 died. clubs? It died. It got a disease and they all got absolutely wiped out. Uh, so then Cavendish was chosen as the replacement. But this is my favourite fact, and this is what I want to end on. You know banana-flavoured things, like sweets or whatever? Yeah. Banana medicine when you're a they kid. They taste like the Gros Michel banana. <gasps> they don't taste like the Cavendish banana, and that's why they taste so different to actual Oh, bananas. my God! That's amazing! Yeah! Oh. I do a lot of being amazed by things in this podcast, but I've never been more amazed than right now. I think that might be the best fact. The best fact we've ever unearthed. Yeah. Ever. Stop the podcast now. (laughs) That was the best fact, Horn. So this week, we're shaking up the already very mixed and also diverse Women Who Code Mixer. I, your head coder, Hannah Varrell, will be graciously yet temporarily stepping aside to allow my equally competent code person, Caroline O'Donoghue, to take the reins. Blessed be the binary, my esteemed code sister. Under his eye, code wife. I haven't watched The Handmaid's Tale yet, so, like... Was she born with the tail or does it just grow more and more when she lies? 
No, it's like the world has been taken over by like tiny Donald Trumps and now everyone has to dress like they've just taken the special K drop a jean size challenge. <laughs> oh, like a mixture between that and the Scottish Widows. Yeah, like, yeah, special K, but Scottish Widows. Right. Yeah, lots of red and robes. Okay. Oh my God, chic. <laughs> so Caroline, you're here to talk to us about Bitcoin today. I am. I actually went and I read about Bitcoin. Okay. Wow. I know, I know. But then I also got really confused. So I asked my friend Aaron about it and here's what he said. Oh, it's a man. It is a man. Good. Yeah, good. yeah. But he is a man who earns less money than me. So okay. fine. Fine, fine, know, fine. fine. Um, okay. So Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency, which is a word I've been hearing a lot, but I also didn't really know what it meant. What is crypto? Like where you keep dead people so you could just exchange money for cadavers? Is Bitcoin just basically grave robbing for hipsters? Yes and no, but not yes. Okay. 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 So the whole point of Bitcoin is that it's like a totally decentralized currency that neither the banks nor the government can control. So it's an entirely digital currency that doesn't belong to anyone and never can belong to anyone. It gets exchanged and when it gets exchanged, it's kind of a, there's sort of a ledger of how it gets exchanged. Um, but other than that, it doesn't, it can't truly belong to anything. Um, and I mean, I still think Mark Zuckerberg will buy it at yeah. some point. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you have it? Because you can buy things with it. You can. So... It's very, very complicated. And a lot of what I'm about to say, I just need you guys to take on good faith. Got it. Because if we were to get into it, I would have to go get a degree in something and we'd be here all day and it would just be the Bitcoin podcast. Fine. So just go with it, okay? So it was set up by this really smart person called Satoshi Nakamoto. I say person because we would generally say man, but we don't know if it's a man or not. It was just a username that literally appeared on the internet one day. Um, oh. They, he or she published this big white paper on this fancy coder website that created Bitcoin and proposed the entire idea of it. And what it actually is, is, you know, essentially the idea of currency is that it's a finite resource that you can use to trade things. So the reason yeah. that gold and silver works is because these are finite resources that the, that the world has. And because there's a limited amount of them, we can hence trade them for things, right? So the thing with Bitcoin is that it's essentially like something that is mined from codes on the internet... Right, right, and there's a fine. It's like only twenty one million are in existence, and like twenty one million coins. You, well, not really coins as much as they are just code. It's like it's like a mathematic algorithm almost. Right. So around the world, people are using software programs that follow a mathematical formula to produce bitcoins. Computers mine bitcoins like people mine gold, and it's treated in the exact same way as gold, except it can't be owned like by one monopoly man in a castle somewhere. It's just like on the internet. Uh, I don't get it. Okay. Can you ever cash it in for real cash though? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. You can withdraw it as cash. And so the the sort of like the value of Bitcoin goes up and down all the time. Like it can get huge. Like even um, a guy like Gavin knows, I bought like ten thousand pounds worth of Bitcoin and then sold it six months later for like sixty thousand pounds. Like <gasps> it's wow. incredible. Like like all like all currencies, it is a real currency. The value of it goes up and down, and you can sell it. But so how can you? mine it how can you like basically it's like finding money in your garden like you've they mine it from your I, computer this is one of those things that i'm just gonna need you to go with me on okay um, but essentially there are bitcoins in the internet that get mined out by processing power and computers just kind of mine it and Does then every computer have one is it like pokemon mined? go i guess let's call it pokemon go yeah pokemon gold <laughs> yeah so the bitcoin like goes down into smaller deviations of Bitcoin. So right. you can buy like 0.5 of a Bitcoin for like 
10 quid or whatever. Like bit but bitcoins. It, yeah, there's a name for them, but I can't remember what it is. Itty bitty um, yeah. bitcoins. <laughs> Itty bitty bitty bitcoins. And obviously, like on the dark web and stuff, if you want to buy like weapons or drugs, it's a very big among drug dealers. Yeah, because I watched this. This is why I was th- talking about Bitcoin the other day. I watched this film called Dope at the weekend where yeah. he has he accidentally comes across loads of drugs and he sells this kid. He sells them online for Bitcoin so he can't be traced and then he cashes them in for real yeah. cash. So essentially when you get Bitcoin, right, you're given like a sort of a 12 digit number and then that's the only record of that money existing. So you don't, your name isn't involved, yeah. what you spend it on, like there's a ledger of it, but that's all as much as information as gets shared on it. But who wow. who first decided that it would actually be allowed to be exchanged for real cash? Um, yeah, I think I guess just Satoshi Nakamoto proposed this idea of cryptocurrency. There have been other ones that come up since, but Bitcoin is the only one that really caught on. And it's one of those things where it's like it's a perfect idea, the idea of nobody owning your resources that way and and like the like taking the control out of the banks and out of the government is really cool, but also it can be used for really fucking nefarious stuff. Yeah, because it's because it's so anonymous. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Bitcoins, guys. Yeah, I really still don't understand Bitcoin. Well, Hannah, you don't have to because you do understand real coin, right? Like as an actual money. We're still simpatico with that that, concept, yeah. Is that what's on my bank card? That's what's on your bank card. That's what's in your PayPal. And oh, hang on. If you have money in your PayPal or a card that's connected to your PayPal, you can actually give it to the School for Dumb Women. Uh, I can. Yeah, you can. I mean, I'm not sure why you would, considering <laughs> you already spend all of your free time here anyway. Mm. But um, if someone were listening to this podcast and decided, like, God, those girls deserve some money, you can actually go to Coffee, so that's K-O-F-I, and uh, buy us a figurative coffee uh, by giving us three quid. And I'm actually too dumb to buy my own coffee in real life, so you're sort of saving my life. I know, I am. I truly am. Um, If you don't want to go on a website, because websites are terrible, uh, our pinned tweet on at DumbWomenPod has a link to it, so you can uh, give us three pounds, if you fancy. That's hardly anything, is it? That easy, isn't it? So that was my first woman who called Mixer. I'm really proud of you. Thanks, man. I think you've done really well. It was really a big well. undertaking for me. Yeah. I had a lot on this week. I had tampons to change. Shit, man. <laughs> I know. It's a lot. Um, so, Alex, your lesson this week is on light bulbs, I believe. Yes, it is. What a great idea. I can almost see a light bulb over your head uh-huh. right now. <laughs> when I thought of it. Yes, uh, I went to buy a light bulb for possibly the first time in... 45 years at the weekend because uh, I wanted a daylight one you know like where it looks like it's daylight yeah for the for the, for the winter months ahead oh, sure. I mean, I'm fairly sure that I paid six quid for a normal light bulb but is that like, got, a, like a sad light bulb yeah oh. are, you, are you sad no but um my room in winter gets a bit dark mm. so I was and I never really used the big light because I'm not an animal but um <laughs> <laughs> but you know like sometimes in the mornings when it's like dark it would be nice yeah. to actually feel like you were in daylight when you were getting ready rather than like a yellowy light, like mm. you're at a poker table. You know? Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so I was looking for one of them. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I got it yet. I haven't tested it out. But it just got me thinking about how how weird light bulbs are. Um, and how, the, like, is that little, like, really luminous little line in the middle, like, yeah. is that a mini fire? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, well, it is sort of. Gets hot, way. doesn't it? Gets very hot. Um, so I just, I mean, I was researching light bulbs. I'm going to quickly tell you how they work. It's it's quite good. But actually, the most interesting part about light bulbs is actually Thomas Edison himself. Yeah. 
That's why they had a whole Simpsons episode about him. Yeah, a very smart man. I mean, maybe the smartest. Of all? Of all. Wow. Mm, I know. And there have been at least 12 men now, I think, so he's yeah. like yeah. yeah, they're working on a 13th. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. nice segue into later. Your, They're going to yeah. split the 13th into two because it's so long as well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, so basically how... Um, a light bulb works is that I mean I'm not going to explain electricity to you you're just going to have to you know yeah I don't care suspend belief electricity is real <laughs> great <laughs> fine so but what, so what happens is the electric current flows from one contact to the other through the wires and the filament which is the little springy thing that you can see in, a, in an old fashioned light bulb the filament yep. mm-hmm. and uh, the filament is made of tungsten now why would we, why do you think it's made of that metal is that a band Tungsten. Sounds like a band, like a mm. Finnish band. Yeah. And now we have Tungsten with their new song. <laughs> Schwing. Schwing. <laughs> and it's just like, whoa, I am Schwing. Schwing. That's our new single, Schwing. Yes, so why, why hazard a bet at why you think it's Tungsten in the, in the little metal bits inside the, the bulb? I mean, I don't know what Tungsten is or what it does, so... That was yeah. Thomas Edison's daughter's name yes it was tungsten. really no, no. <laughs> tungsten's a type of metal you dummies oh okay. i didn't know what it was yeah i thought it could have been a spice yeah well <laughs> yeah saffron yeah so basically most metals will actually melt before reaching the extreme temperatures needed to produce the light but <laughs> but tungsten tungsten doesn't it has a very 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 high melting temperature um so it's ideal for conducting all of this very hot vibrational electricity is it like when you have a coal fire and some of the coals go red or white is that the same kind of Ooh, thing is that tungsten uh that's not tungsten but it is a very good analogy hannah thanks alex so well done yes yeah, it's, it's kind of that and inside the bulb what do we think it is oh oh, oh. it's not air it's something else it's nitrogen not no it's not nitrogen because i think that would blow us up um uh, uh, no, not hydrogen. No, I think that would also blow us up. I'm just sitting here being supportive. Uh, what other guesses are there, you. Caroline? Helium? That's explosive, pixies. isn't it? Pixies. Tiny pixies. It is also not pixies. Fuck. It, but it is a gas, and you are right, Hannah, and well done. That is good. Um, Which it, gas is it? It is usually argon. Why were we supposed to guess that? That's <laughs> not, not one of the big gases, is yeah. it? Top, I didn't, come on, really gas. I didn't <laughs> think you'd get gas straight away. I thought you might have thought it was something else, like a vacuum. What could it have been? Uh, a vacuum. Then the, the, the glass would break. Well, sorry, someone's <laughs> learned some science. I thought, well, I thought it was agreed that we were dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it says uh, the wires and filament are housed in a glass bulb, obviously, which you know, which is filled with an inert gas, like argon. Oh, oh it's depressed. Argon. Yeah, it's Does like the, SAD. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. The irony. Mm. That's why if you smash a bulb, um, you know, like while it's on, um, there will be a sort of slight, well, a big flash, and that's the oxygen reacting. Oh. So it's like a mini fire, essentially, but it's very small, so it won't catch on fire. I like that yeah. fact. Mm. So that's the light bulb, essentially. There's um, the two filaments popping down and then the tungsten in the middle that conducts between them and the electricity comes down, there's vibrations and light and everything, and that's great, and that's how you get the conventional light bulb. But electricity was already invented. Thomas Edison only invented the household light bulb. There were still like street lamps and stuff. 
But oh. were they fire? Was that like torches? No, no, no. It was electricity, but nobody had invented a way to kind of almost like break the electricity and the light down into sort of residential tiny right. chunks for small okay. rooms for humans. So he kind of made it commercially successful. Pretty much, yeah. Mm. I mean, the light, the, the light bulb that we know now, it, you know, that was his invention. Right. Um, but yeah, you had like massive street lamps and sort of, you know, grid electricity and stuff. But he created it so that you could sort mm. of have a small amount in your house. So he's like the Beyonce's mum of electricity. Absolutely. He is the house <laughs> yeah. of Darion. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I was looking at Thomas Edison, he's invented everything. everything. Yeah. Do you know how many patents he had? Quick numbers, guess. 200. 262. 1,000. 1,093. Yeah, all over the world. He That's more than UK, me. Germany. That's no. so many patents that I, you can only guess that he somehow went forward in time, robbed all the patents and came back. I know. He invented the phonograph, which, you know... Which who, we use today. Which we <laughs> use today. Did he um, just find things that people had invented but not done patents for? And he was like, you've not done a patent, I'll have that. Um, maybe. Yeah, maybe he stole it. was big business back in that day, wasn't it? Maybe he stole it for from ladies. Did he invent patenting? Maybe he did invent patenting oh. and then he was just like, I've got the most. Um, also, Hannah, just quickly from your earlier um, torchlight comment, it was actually gaslight and then he changed it into a... Of course. A light bulb. Yes. Sorry. Um, yes, so essentially, um, the electric light wasn't his first invention. He invented a way to record a movie... Oh. Um, he invented, I've got a little list here, he invented motion pictures, apparently. <laughs> Did not know that. Yeah. And he also invented a type of battery. The Edison Storage Battery Company was founded in 1901. He also was like really good pals with uh, Henry Ford of Ford yeah. Cars. And in weird facts of the day about Thomas Edison, his last breath is reportedly contained in a test tube at the Henry Ford Museum near Detroit. Oh, well, that's not. fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. Ford reportedly convinced Charles Edison to... He <laughs> was, well, I don't know, his brother, maybe, to seal a test tube of air in the inventor's room shortly after his death as a memento. Oh, that's a bit uh, weird, isn't not it? not in love with that now. Yeah. yeah. I that's, love that one. That's odd. Um, but yeah, he also kind of, he didn't um, invent rubber, but he kind of was instrumental in it being used as like a, a main material in America. Like he's done everything. That's amazing. He's done absolutely everything. I do think though that period of time, so like the turn of that century was incredible because like there was so much innovation happening at such an incredible rate. Yeah. Like so there's Thomas Edison happening. There was also like Albert Einstein proving proving the theory of relativity. Yeah. There was Darwin, there was Picasso. Like there was every every single part of culture and technology was being innovated at the same time yeah. at an incredible rate. Alexander Graham Bell, was that around the same era? Don't even know, yeah. but probably. Like probably. it was just like probably the greatest minds ever working and now we just tweet. Yeah, but it was also like, it was also the Industrial Revolution, wasn't it? And yeah. kind of how all of that stuff yeah. was suddenly that invented. Earlier, and they were like, it? we have all yeah. these. But yeah. it kind of like created like the ability to have all of these new things and new materials and stuff. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty just exciting. Fucking great time to be alive, man. Guys, I want to finish Thomas Edison. I don't want to finish him. <laughs> I want to finish on a recurring theme which is our anarchy about money, which Caroline has already uh, mentioned in her Bitcoin mixer. Mm -hmm. We've already talked about how 
credit scores and debt and all that is bullshit and how basically money makes no sense. Sure, yeah. Thomas Edison was an advocate for monetary reform in the United States. He was ardently opposed to the gold standard and debt-based money. Mm. That's a boy. That's That's my boy. Exactly. Famously, he was quoted in the New York Times stating, gold is a relic of Julius Caesar and interest is an invention of Satan. (gasps) Mate. He knew. He knew. Well, obviously, we didn't come up with it. Like, I mean, everyone knows the shit. We just don't have anything better. But I feel like people don't talk, don't protest about it enough. I mean, I'm going to... I mean, Marxism happened, so... I'm getting onto the the phone to Owen Jones and organising a protest about the debt. (laughs) Um, in the same article, he expounded upon the absurdity of a monetary system in which the taxpayer of the United States, in need of a loan, can be compelled to pay in return perhaps double the principal or even greater sums due to interest. His basic point was that if the government can produce debt-based money, it could equally as well produce money that was a credit to the taxpayer. Oh, my God, yes. What a guy. Yeah. What but a fucking lad. I will have you I will remind you though that back in our way back when in our candles episode, uh Thomas Edison also protested the existence of sleep. Saying oh, yeah. it was a relic of our caveman days. So he called everything a relic of yeah, like relics. Because yeah. um I read I read a lot <laughs> about him today. Yeah. I read yeah. a lot about him today and he claimed to only need three hours sleep a night, so him and Margaret Thatcher would have got on like a fucking house on fire. Or a fucking house with a light bulb in it. <laughs> <laughs> and no school milk. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, let's move on to uh, our final lesson this week. Caroline, you're discussing the segment that cannot be named. <laughs> oh. Yes, just like some kind of a weird haunted Sesame Street, this episode is brought to you by the number 13. <gasps> oh. Yeah, I thought this would be quite like timely because the next Friday the 13th is April 13th, 2018. <gasps> so, you know, just to get ready for that. Yeah. 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 And obviously, if that isn't a good enough sort of, you know, hook for you, Mercury is currently in retrograde. And on the day this podcast airs, we will have a new moon. So I thought we could get a bit like, hmm. A bit bit witchy. A bit the craft up in here. (laughs) (laughs) 
Witches, witches, Nev Campbell. <laughs> the call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> so as as you guys know, because we've met, um, I'm quite into tarot. Um, and I've been trying to recently get better at memorising the cards, because obviously there's loads of them. And uh, I've sort of been pulling one a day. And uh, I was going through the pack the other day and I found the death card. And obviously the death card doesn't really mean death. Um, but it is Hang on, num- why not? Oh, it just symbolises like the end of a project or the end of a state of mind or whatever. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's real metaphorical. Um, but I did realise that like the death card is number 13 in the deck. And I was like, why Why is there like this continued thing with 13s and sort of ominous thing? Because it is the card in tarot that people are like, it's the most sort of in horror films and stuff. That's yeah. the one that people are afraid of and the, yeah. it's what they know of the most. And like, why is there this perpetual thing with the number 13? Like, it's it's kind of everywhere in all horror films and everything vaguely kind of occultish. You always get this repetition. And like, people who are superstitious about the number 13, like, they take it really seriously. Like, yeah. there's a lot of people who don't, like work on Friday the 13th like a significant amount of people still do that a significant amount of hotels still don't have 13th floors well Uh, I've worked in a lot of restaurants as a waitress and all the ones I worked in they never have a table 13 oh really from table 12 to table 14 yeah I didn't realise that at all yeah Wow. So it, it does run fairly deep. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's one of those things that's half superstition and it's half kind of like fun, folky habit. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I think people just enjoy having superstition in their life because it makes them feel a bit Zoe Deschanel, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I kind of kept wondering was like, is 13, Friday the 13th and stuff, like, is it a bit like the Bermuda Triangle? Is it one of those things that like, we just keep finding new things to feed into the myth because yeah. we mm. enjoy it so much? And I think it is. And has Barry Manilow written a song about it? Has he? Let's <laughs> he should. Her name was 13. She was a number. Number. Um... So, yeah, I want to do a little bit of research into where this actually came from. And, uh, you know, where does everything start, guys? Egypt. China. Ha! No! The Bible. So, the Bible has a lot of sort of, like, number 13 ominous things going on in there. So, uh, at the Last Supper, Judas is said to have taken the 13th chair. Oh. Yeah, because obviously he had um, had 12 12 apostles, but plus Jesus makes 13. So, 13th (gasps) chair is Judas. And um, there's, like, loads of different biblical references um, about the number 13 that are like going way back to the Old Testament. And this will prove the atheistic argument that Christianity is just a mishmash of folklore and legends that were kind of buzzing around at the time. Yeah. There's a story in Norse mythology that Loki, played by Tom Hiddleston, in the I was about films, to say, I know that. Yeah, I know that guy. And he mentions him in the mask. Loki, it's the god of something. mischief and We shit. all wear masks, metaphorically speaking. <laughs> you know, Jim Carrey when he goes to see the guy. What? Yeah, because we all remember the mask that well. <laughs> I watched it recently. Fair enough. Anyway, no um, so Loki, who is the god of mischief, um, he was the 13th guest at some weird Nordic dinner party. So 12 gods were having a dinner party in Valhalla. That's literally the word they use in the Wikipedia page, dinner party. Um, <laughs> and the 13th guest was Tom Hiddleston. And he, <laughs> he arranged for the god of joy and gladness to be shot with like an arrow. And he died. Was that Taylor and, Swift? Yeah, that was... <laughs> 
Yeah, so Tom Hiddleston shot Taylor Swift in the heart with an arrow and then the beginning of um, like sadness in the world. It's like the Norse version of the Pandora's box oh. thing. Like sadness happened and he was the 13th guest and so 13 is a thing there. Um, and then like like you know numerology is obsessed with it as well and there's this like fucking ridiculous what's yeah. numerology numerology is like a form of divination that's like uh you know numbers mean certain things like it's kind of it's about as kooky as tarot to be honest okay. so i'm not okay. going to judge it it's just you know Fine. it's whatever you want really <laughs> Cool. Um, so according to historian Vincent Foster Hopper, one of the people who really pushed 13 as being unlucky was a 16th century numerolo- numerologist called Petrus Bungus. Great. Sounds like a Harry Potter. name. And one of his reasons was that um, the records are that the Jews murmured 13 times against God in the Exodus from Egypt, that the 13th Psalm concerns wickedness and corruption, and that the circumcision of Israel occurred in the 13th year. So... Just some rando from the 16th century who hated the Jews decided that 13 was the bad number. Mm. And then this was kind of like uh, perpetuated by all different kind of grim icons in culture. So there's this thing about how the gallows has 13 steps. So it's like 12 steps up and one step down. Oh. mm. Um, But I don't, I think that's just a stupid thing because obviously gallows are built to different specifications. (laughs) 12 months and then January is the 13th month and everyone hates January. Like, I mean, all of the evidence is basically as good as that. There's another thing that 13 was the um, classical number of witches to a coven. Oh. Yeah. So we just need to get 10 more chicks in here. We got a coven. Yeah. Yeah, mate. And uh, beca- and the 13 witches thing is to do with the fact that a woman will menstruate roughly 13 times in a year. Oh, because course. we think well, of, of course. we think of them as being monthly, but actually your cycle is like 28 days. Yeah. So because yeah. of yeah, you'll end up probably having an extra one. Also, the number 13 when it's written down kind of looks like a B for bad. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. And then Friday the 13th um, is said that because of going way back to biblical times again. uh, So if if Judas was the 13th guest and Jesus died on a Friday, then Friday the 13th is the ultimate bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I see. So don't hold a dinner party on the Friday. Yeah. And And also, I think it is true that it's a curse or bad luck because look at Tom Hiddleston now. I know. He is down in the dumps. Right. Um, and the most interesting thing I actually stumbled across was um, the biggest piece of modern evidence for Friday the 13th was in 1993, a study was published in the British Medical Journal that indicates that um, you're more likely to be killed in a traffic accident on Friday the 13th than in any oh. other Fridays in the year. Like statistic proof. Statistically. Ooh. And this was then, this is proper like bad journalism, this was like quoted in like hundreds of different things about Friday the 13th. Oh, Obviously, no. journals looking for something to fill out yeah. their, their Friday the 13th content schedule. Um, but then it's like commonly known as well that this was their the British Medical Journal's like Christmas bumper edition where they post joke things. It was their April Fool's. It was their April Fool's, yeah. Oh. Apparently they have a Christmas edition that's just like their Beano annual where they just post joke things. Should the British Medical Journal be doing a joke issue? I don't know. know. Like this, this anaesthetic actually takes five hours and it's really it's four hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I guess they're just nerds. Just nerds who like jokes and uh, now they've... 
changed everyone's perception of the Friday the 13th forever. Wow. And created some scary films out of it as well. Yeah, some scary, scary films. But I like it. Like, I like superstition. Yeah. I think it's fun. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And that's it, guys. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> So we're nearing the end of the podcast, but before we go, we've got time for a smart lesson. Yay! This week's smart lesson is brought to you by the words woman, boss, and the 90s are my homeboy. That's right, we're designing slogan t-shirts, sweatshirts, and tote bags. Now, Alex, you live in East London. What are your tips? Well, um, as a resident of East London, obviously, I've, I mean, I've pretty much got a degree by osmosis, I think, yeah. in slogan t-shirts. Um, so we all know that as a woman in 2017, your wardrobe is not annoying enough without a, uh, a statement t-shirt. So uh, do you remember in your teenage years, you used to wear a statement necklace? Mm, yeah, and you don't familiar. really know what that statement is. You just sort of read in the magazine that you need a statement piece or a statement necklace. Yeah. Well, now it's gone much more literal, guys, because I've had to dumb it down. Yeah. A statement T-shirt usually actually has a statement or a slogan on it. Uh, so, for instance, now we sort of a, live in the age of, you know, you're wearing a T-shirt with either like, fuck off or like nasty woman or, you know, Corbin, but in the style of the Nike logo, which is actually ironic because Nike are a multi-million pound. So, you know, you get yeah, the... Yeah, yeah, but, you know, like how, but I don't understand how... If I wasn't going to wear a statement T-shirt, mm. how would anyone know that I'm a good person with good politics and voted Labour? They yeah. wouldn't. They, I mean, they wouldn't know. No, they wouldn't know. And they need to know by looking at me. We're living in dangerous times. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, one of my top tips as well uh, is to take something that a man has said to try and degrade a woman, mm. um, which then sort of Fat sits, legs. Yeah. Some, <laughs> yes. Absolutely. That that's a prime example. Retaining water. Yeah. <laughs> Your mum's a slut. Yes. Yeah. Exactly that. And then... Because and I'm really good of, at these. And then just search Twitter for how common that is, because I... I assumed 60%, 60 to 70% of women will then have that as a sort of ironic thing in their Twitter bio. Oh, yeah. Like sure. Nasty Woman. Yeah. Um, and then you sort of, you own that insult that the man said that was really horrible by wearing it on your person. And I think that makes us the winners. Yeah, so it's great because you don't define yourself by what men think of you. You just wear what they say on your mm. shirt. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So men don't owe you. They just own the space like below your neck and above your belly button. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Just Which your is, boobs then. Just your boobs. Yeah. Just just your the only bit they want anyway. So yeah. an equal partnership. Mm-hmm. Everyone yeah. gets what they want. Um, yeah. So I thought we could play a fun game. Okay. Um, which you can pretend that you didn't know about even though you've prepared. Yeah, I have prepared. Yeah, that's true. Um, where um, you will each read out three slogan t-shirts to each other and the other two will guess which are real and which are fake. That sounds like fun. Great. Good. Shall I go first? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I have four slogans for you. Only one is real. Are you ready? Are we are we competing? Or are we a team? Oh, I don't know. No, well, you I can su- say- as a woman, I support you. But as another woman, I'm absolutely against you. Yeah, desperate yeah. to... Desperate to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Murderous. Number one. If you're not yourself, someone else will be. Number two. Hashtag spawn. Number three. Wanting to be someone else is a waste of who you are. Number four. Romeo didn't give head. <laughs> one of them is real. I think hashtag Spawn is real. Caroline? What was the first one again? If you're not yourself, someone else will be. That sounds like that something sounds that you'll see. No, but that doesn't sound like a t-shirt. That sounds like something you'll see on like a mirror in a shit bathroom somewhere. That's so. That's very true. Yeah. 
it sounds like a like a phrase, but not a t-shirt phrase. I don't think. I'm gonna say Hannah's right. I'm gonna spawn. And the Romeo didn't give head. That's under something from your diary. Card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can tell you that you are wrong. Oh. What? What was real? Sadly, hashtag spawn is not real, but I do want to make those t-shirts. So if anyone, great. if anyone yeah. wants to like get in touch with me about that, that'd be great. Great. Um, no, the real one was. Wanting to be someone else is a waste of who you are. But oh, that, that just, it, That's a t-shirt in H&M and it's a quote by Kurt Cobain, famous fan of H&M. <laughs> wow, I bet he's dead pleased with that one. I know. Yeah. In the most literal sense. Shall I go next? Yes, please do. Okay, so here are my uh, three slogans. Number one, Hun, you're a boss. Number two, and this is like a dictionary entry. Sassy, brackets, sassy. Adjective, she got this and she owning it. Number three, in capital letters, I am female. I think the the last two are real and that is the tragedy. I think the last two are real. The first two are real. <gasps> Whoa! No, so, say again? So, hun, you're a boss. Awful. That's an actual t-shirt. Yeah. In an actual shop. And the sassy one is real. Sassy, adjective, she got this and she owning it. What? So not even Where she is, this is from? she has got this. These are from ASOS. Fuck me. And there isn't one that says, I am female in capital letters, but there's one that says, I am woman in capital letters, like a fucking mm. cave woman. Oh, God. I am woman. <laughs> That's I crap. eat meat. That is <laughs> Caroline, what well, are Well, I went on, I went on um, Monkey for my ones, and okay. they're like uh, a bit drier than yours. Okay. Well, we will find out. Which of these are real and which of these are fake? Power to equality. Discrimination sucks. Pantsuit. <laughs> <laughs> Love is free. The whole irony of this game is that I'm slagging them off, but I'm like, I would really wear hashtag spawn and pantsuit. <laughs> <laughs> I know, same. I think they're all real. Sorry, can you just say the first two again? I'll say them all again. Power to equality. Love is free. Discrimination sucks. Pantsuit. I think the first two are real. The first two are real. Oh. Is there not a discrimination socks or a pantsuit? No, neither. I guess I should just make them. Yeah. Yeah. All of our t-shirt ideas are really good, guys. Guys, this time yeah. next year, Hillary will be wearing the t-shirt saying pantsuit. Yes. Like, seriously. <laughs> this yeah. is what a pantsuit pant looks like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pantsuit. Uh, well, I think we've all learned that um, as smart women, you can put literally anything on a t-shirt and sell it. So let's yeah. let's do that and become millionaires. Great. Fat legs, pantsuit, spawn. <laughs> well, that's it for this episode of the School for Dumb Women. If you feel like stealing any of our slogan t-shirt ideas, too bad we've already patented them. Just like Thomas Edison would have wanted. Because we're girl bosses. Hashtag hun. Hashtag pantsuit. Hashtag spawn. Thanks as always to Harry Harris for his bit jingle, to Gavin Day for his bit logo, and to Soho Radio Studios for their bit studios. And thank you for listening. Um, if you do have £3 hanging around in Bitcoin or normal coin, please do feel free to go to coffee, K-O-F-I, and uh, give it to us. <laughs> Settle. <laughs> Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. <laughs> 